Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Curtis Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Lines Up by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me is not Liam. It's Francis. Hello, Francis. Liam, Liam and I are... Um, I don't know when this this episode is going to come out, but Liam and I have locked horns because it's the playoff seasons and the Cardinals are playing the Phillies uh, for the first round. And I'm not a Cardinals. I like I'm not really a baseball fan unless it allows me to shit talk people online. And then I become a rabid Cardinals fan, uh, especially during playoff season. I'm kind of the same way when it comes to sports. I mean, like I, I'm, a, I'm a really big hockey fan, but outside of that, I truly don't care. Um, but whenever like it's a sport I, I truly don't care about. And people just start shit talking me based on some Detroit sports team that I, I truly do not care about. I'm like, Oh yeah, fuck you. We won. Like, I don't know a single person on that team. Nothing like you, you've turned me into this. Yeah. It's the, the I, you know, the Detroit tigers, I'm sure, you know, you don't really pay much attention to it, but you know, it's that, it's that like, you know, Midwest um, city kind of thing. Like you don't really have much. And so when you have a really good like sports team, you fucking tend to focus on that. Like I live in St. Louis, man. The fuck do we have here? Not a lot. We got Arch, and that's about it. Um, we we shit talk Chicago people all the time, even though Chicago people have a much better city than we do. So we've got the better. Yeah, you don't even have a football team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, you. We're gonna the XFL is coming back. The uh, the Battlehawks are gonna be flying again. So we'll we'll have that. Ah, uh, yes, the glorious. XFL. I mean, that is one thing that Vince McMahon is still allowed to be in charge of, as as far as I know. <laughs> I thought The Rock bought it. I can't remember. Maybe I, I don't fucking know at this point. Um, it, it, it Detroit had uh, the Red Wings for a really long time, and we had the Pistons for a short spurt. The Tigers have made it to the World Series, I think, twice while I've been alive, and have lost both times. I don't think they've won a single World Series game since I've been alive. I want to um, say one of them they lost to us. So. Yes. Yeah. I think the last time they won was like 86 or 87 or something. It was right before I was born. And then I cursed them and they were doomed for all times. Uh, y- you know what else is cursed? <laughs> sieges. Uh, that's not a good one. Uh, it, it depends on which side of the siege you're on for it to be cursed. There's really no good side to be on in a siege. Like, I can't think of a more wasteful and but epic in a good way, uh, set piece battle in history than any siege ever. Uh, like one enemy traps at their back against the wall, the other surrounding them, strangling off their supplies or to blast them into submission, storm the gates, or uh, attach a bomb to an orc and have them blow up the wall. Uh, like generally speaking, the end of a siege is either one that goes down in history as a heroic defense that will ring through the ages or an unspeakable slaughter that will be followed by a ton of looting. But then we'll later be glossed over as some national creation myth of some kind. And generally how these things go. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I feel like you have a, uh, a specific um, scenario to, to describe on that one. Eh, maybe a few. Um, <laughs> not, like, born born som- out of a siege. Sometimes, though, you get lucky and it's both horribly brutal and damn near miraculous uh, that ends with the defenders winning. Uh, led by some of the worst people in Western Christian history, the Crusaders, set against some of the worst people in Islamic history, the Ottoman Empire. Um, but they had God and Allah at their at their back, so I can only and you know technically you go back far enough, they're the same God, so maybe that's why they all died. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're both uh, branches from the same tree, so I guess it's just God punching himself in the face repeatedly. <laughs> Right, it's just like no, it's my my Abrahamic religion. No, it's my Abrahamic religion. Like, guys, this is this is you got chocolate in my peanut butter. Um, it's it's kind of the same. You guys have kind of the same rules. Why are you killing? Yeah, each other? but it, it, to be fair, if you put chocolate in peanut butter, that makes the product better. Right. So maybe they should have been <laughs> meshing them, meshing the religions together. You know, we could have some uh, Christian mini minarts and stuff like that. We really could have had something better. I feel if we uh, if humans could stop stabbing each other in the faces. 
You know, you know what? We do have something better. We've bound together. We've created it. It's called Scientology. <laughs> Not because the religion's better, but because the the guy who leads it uh, is 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 a whole lot funnier, though he is dead. Um, and for just twenty nine ninety nine, you that's two. Right. Uh, twenty nine ninety nine, I think, would be a hell of a sale. I'll have to tell the story about how I got my my um, uh, my Scientologist test one day. Oh, you had like one of those stress tests. I I went in. I took the whole like um, the whole battery of tests. Like they make you sit down and take like an SAT. Do they tell you that you're a chock full of thetans? Yeah, uh, I didn't get to do the thing where I hold on to it. I took the SAT, and then they gave me uh, they my. <laughs> My buddy, they're just like, you're, you need more work. So they just like, were like, you can buy this book called Dianetics. And then they were just like, you, you have like, my aura was like, I don't know what it is. My aura was better. Like I was more advanced based on the Scientologist SAT. So uh, they offered me a $20 book instead of a $7 book. I was like, I see how this goes. It's just <laughs> business casual math. astrology. <laughs> uh, you know, at least. Uh, at least astrology people have incense and it smells nice. Scientologists. Yeah, that's why I said business casual. Like instead of like uh, someone who's kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, like crunchy a bit or whatever, is tell it like maybe they believe like tea will cure baldness, which is something that someone I dated once told me. Uh, yeah. Are they trying to hit uh, something to you or something? I mean, I'm, I'm balding. Like there's, there's, no, there's no hint to that. Like, oh no, there's a tea that will fix it. I'm like, I bet there fucking isn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like Scientology is that same person, but dressed as a Mormon. You know, yeah, there you go. Um, you bring him to Missouri, and we'll drive them out too. <laughs> so, the topic of today's episode is not Scientology. We've actually already done that episode once. Uh, it's going to be the 1565 Great Siege of Malta, where a few thousand knights of Saint John withstood a siege of tens of thousands of Ottomans for over three months. Um, now, the history of the Order of the Knights, uh, the, the Hospital of St. John of Jerusalem, sometimes known as the Knights Hospitaller, uh, who are weirdly still around today. Like, if you look around your uh, general area in the United States or in Europe, you might find like a weird lodge of Knights Hospitaller. Um, I, I don't know why. I think they're kind of like Shriners now. They literally only exist to do like Christian charities and probably cover up crimes, apparently. Um, they're not knights anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't remember. It, that sounds familiar. I'm getting sh- shots of uh, the uh, Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail. The that one, Last Crusade, where the where, guy's face melts. Yeah, but like when no, no, that's the Ark. The Crusade is the one where he gets the uh, the, the 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 chalice that Jesus drank out of. Um, that might be the Templars. Okay, they're different. Um, we'll we'll talk was, a little bit about the Templars, but okay, that makes I mean, more it, sense. It, yeah, I mean, the 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 history of the Knights Hospitaller is quite long, uh, literally several hundred years. Uh, so I'll try to do an abridged version to take you all the way to how the time they managed to control the island of Malta as an independent, weird little crusader state. So once upon a time, the first crusade happened, which ended with the Christians seizing a pretty large chunk of the Holy Land, in, including Jerusalem in 1099. After that, um, a monastic order of Hospitaller was established by Blastic Gigard uh, for the purpose of, you guessed it by the name, serving in a hospital uh, that had been established back in 603 to care for sick and dying pilgrims. Um, This eventually turned into an armed militia. I can't really (laughs) find out how. Or why? So, um, so we set this up. We set up a bunch of candy stripers, and then yada yada yada. They are now the uh, the first armored irregulars. <laughs> yeah, uh, they was eventually formed to uh, escort pilgrims to various holy sites to stop them from being robbed or murdered or whatever. It kind of turned into a protection racket, but for Jesus. Uh, like you would have to pay them for these. So of course, it's not like you know to escort you to like this monument or or site that will be twenty. I don't know, whatever they use back then for currency, teeth. Uh, but they'd be like, you know, we would really enjoy a donation to our uh, our, our order. Otherwise, you'd go missing on the trail. <laughs> you know, but they would protect you. So, like, in essence, it, it, as long as it actually is protection, then sure. I mean, it's not It's great, a mafia but, protection racket. Right. But as long as you're protected, fine. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm now, not saying, look, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's a great option. I'm just saying it's an option. It's an option that will lead you to not being stabbed the uh, the most, I think. Um, now, 
after this, this eventually turned to a very lucrative venture for the order, as you can imagine, because there were other groups like the Knights Templar, uh, and they kind of fought over who got to uh, escort pilgrims to certain places. And most of this had to do with uh, how the church felt about you. And the church liked the Knights Hospitaller significantly more than Knights Templar. Um, even though the Knights Templar is probably more well-known, uh, the reason why is because the Knights Templar did all sorts of weird... Um, what do you want to call it? Uh, uh, like rituals and stuff. They're like steeped in ritual to the point it freaked the church out. Um, and, they, that's, and, they, and that's the Catholic church who who is completely based on ritual. Like, I would be able to go to mass and like not pay any attention, but know exactly when to stand, sit, say the act of contrition, all that stuff. So when somebody else is just, is like, you guys a little too much with the mass and the doing everything together, you got to chill it Did out. Did you guys have to all get together and do an eyes wide shut thing? Like, uh, there was no sex uh, that I remember, but um, Catholic churches are not filled with attractive people or young people or you know like usually like the catholic church i want to a lot of a lot Lemon of middle party, the church so, so maybe there was something going on in the cafeteria afterwards i don't know um i never saw it and nobody invited me so <laughs> well that's i didn't get to madison i didn't get to madison cawthorn it to the church's um coke orgies Jesus Christ. Oh, God, it's terrible. Um, now, like a lot of the, the rumors about the Templars were probably political hit jobs. Uh, maybe a lot of them were told to priests and clergy of the church by the Knights Hospitaller. They did do some weird shit, but it's thought that some of it actually wasn't real. Um, and eventually the Templars were disbanded by order of the Pope in 1300s and the Hospitallers were not. And that when you know it, made the Hospitallers more powerful because there were no more Knights Templar around. So you can probably assume how a lot of those rumors got started. And uh, the, the Templars are weird as fuck to me, and we might do a series on them one day, but I, I honestly I don't know, but they're very strange. One, it's, it's very, like, it's, it's strange to consider that these, like, Christian or these Catholic orders would have, like, power over areas but i guess like the catholic archdiocese do now because i just think about like the franciscans and the jesuits and everybody now who you know you don't really have that political power when you're a jesuit these days or maybe you do shit i don't know maybe the jesuits run shit all over the place i know they run i mean the current pope was a jesuit wasn't he who's that isn't the current pope wasn't he a jesuit yeah but he's the first jesuit pope like it's it, it it took a while for for them to to get one. It's because the Jesuits have this uh, irritating um, habit of like going places and helping people, and nobody really likes that. <laughs> Can't have that. Whoa, whoa, dude! Living your Catholic values, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> now, uh, Jerusalem was eventually lost in twelve ninety one, and they expelled the knights, who quickly began looking for a new home. They hot couched their way through like the Kingdom of Cyprus for a while before finally deciding on the island of Rhodes to be their new home. Though there was a, a problem, though. That island was held by the Christian Byzantine Empire. Yeah, the, the Byzantines were busy falling apart at this point, uh, and the Catholic Church was fine if people, other Christians, began to nip away at it and take over their lands and fortresses for themselves. Um, now, the main reason why the Catholics, uh, Catholic Church greenlighted the Knights taking uh, roads was because the Byzantines were not enforcing this uh, ban that the Pope had put out for trading with Muslims uh, because it's very lucrative to have open trade, uh, especially with you know if you're the Byzantine Empire with like Egypt, which is right across the fucking uh, water there. So they just kept doing it. Uh, so the Pope kind of you know greenlit the Hospitaller invasion and they put an end to that shit. They eventually took over the island. Uh, where they would again be kicked out in 1522 by an Ottoman invasion led by Suleiman the Magnificent, who was so impressed by their bloody defense of the island, he simply allowed the survivors to leave. Now, normally, worst case scenario, you're getting your head cut off or crucified. Best case scenario, you're getting enslaved. Uh, there, there's, there's also the possibility of being ransomed, especially the actual knights, because they're worth money. Um, even the Knights Hospitaller, who are supposed to take uh, like a vow of poverty and chastity and all this other stuff, the, the church would pay for them to get them back. But this time they're like, no, you guys can go. We're fine with the island. Now, this made the Knights homeless again uh, and you know, out looking for another hot couch to skip across 
Uh, and, uh, you know, they eventually did get it uh, with Ro- Holy Roman Emperor Charles V offering them the Libyan stronghold of Tripoli, uh, which was the Mediterranean archipelago comprised of Gozo, Comino, and the island of Malta. Uh, like, while the islands were pretty much wasteland, rocky, barren, and mostly terrible places to live, uh, which is, you know, why the emperor gave them away. Malta did uh, boast two huge harbors and it was effectively the seafaring linchpin of the entire Mediterranean trade. This would make the knights fantastically wealthy and had the added bonus for the rest of Christendom. It would secure the east-west trade route with people who were by far their best regular soldiers. Because remember, most armies back then are not made up of trained soldiers. It's mostly levies and uh, the occasional knight. Right, you got you got like fifty dudes in armor with horses who are just a bunch of rich assholes with uh, really nice guns, and that's about it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and like having the knights parked there, and also the Pope knew that the knights would enforce the Muslim trading ban. Like they were pretty much the only people who would enforce it all the time. And this isn't because they actually believed in it. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But Suleiman, it turned out, really regretted his decision to let the the knights leave Rhodes alive. Uh, because the knights were, for a lack of a better term, the Pope's heavy hitters. When other people were corrupt, well, all right, well, the knights were also kind of corrupt, but in a different way. The Pope knew that the knights would follow his edicts pretty much without question, and they would follow them with extreme violence. Um, <laughs> whatever that's, happened, that's be- the kind of knights that you need. Yeah, and whatever happened besides that, like the 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 knight side hustle, the Pope didn't give a single fuck about. Now, like I already said, that the Pope was pretty pissed about the trading of uh, the 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 ban on trading with Muslims. Everybody was just ignoring. So you know, the Pope sent his knight kneecappers out to enforce it. The knights actively patrolled the waters of the Mediterranean, raiding any Muslim trade ship they could find. And much like the Ottomans and most other people in the world at the time, non-believers would be enslaved. Pretty much all the time, but not only just Muslims, Jews, and even the occasional non-Catholic Christian would end up in, uh, as a slave to the, the knights, who, of course, they would then sell for more money. Um, just slavery, by, Christ, Christian values. Yeah, yeah, of course. And by the mid-1500s, the order probably had around 3,000 slaves in Malta alone. Uh, they also ran a pretty successful slave market, which is you know what you want your bastions of Christianity to do. Well, they got these nice harbors. Why wouldn't they also have a slave market? Yeah, what, they go hand in hand. And is this still is this still kind of like that? That not, like I know during Roman times we talked about slavery was just like, um, you know, it's five of us against one of you. You're our slave now uh, until such time that we deem that we don't need you anymore, and then you can be a free guy or you can buy your way to slavery. Like I know slavery is different throughout the years, um, and we. We tend, as Americans, we tend to think of chattel slavery, but like, what kind of slavery is this in this era? It's, I would say it's worse than Roman slavery, because at least Roman slavery didn't have the religious aspect to it, at least not at first. Um, and this one did. So there would be ransoms. Uh, people of like that they knew to be rich would not be kept in slavery. They'd ransom them back to their families or their like local lord or whatever. But if you just happen to be like a, a random... Muslim or a Christian schlub with no money and you get caught up on the wrong fucking boat, you're going to have a bad day. And then, uh, you know, a bad life after that. Um, I I think it was possible depending on who captured you to get out, but it was very much a person by person basis. The Knights would sell you into Europe. Um, and whatever happened to you after that happened to you, Uh, especially because, you know, both Islam and Christianity kind of worked their way around ways to rationalize slavery as long as it wasn't, you know, one of us, you know? Um, but uh, since it was kind of like religiously ordained, it was quite worse than the, than the Romans. So to be fair, I, they didn't have gladiatorial games. So I guess you have that going for you. They weren't, they weren't feeding anybody to lions, I guess. So, I mean, they probably would if they had a lion laying around, like I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> um, but one of the more important things that they got was free reign to do with all of the captured goods from these ships that they raided, which meant selling it to the rest of Europe. So that meant the only legitimate way to get any Muslim goods in Europe was to buy them from the knights. So you could see why this is a hustle. The knights were way too happy to secure for the Pope. It's like, yeah, we're doing this for Jesus, but also you owe us three fifty um, for whatever goods that you want. Uh, now, the knights didn't exactly have a powerful navy. They're 
but they did kind of become pirates for Jesus at such a level that soon that the Ottoman government was getting pretty pissed and really wishing that they had thrown all these cape-wearing assholes directly into the sea after taking Rhodes. Um, now, this is probably the coolest guy in the entire episode is the Ottoman Corsair Dragut, who had the badass nickname of the Drawn Sword of Islam. Who uh, <laughs> He also had a dual job. Like, he was a pirate but also official naval commander uh, of the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> okay. So like a, pri- like a privateer, I guess, if we're going to put it in. Way more official than that. Um, like he was, when like Suleiman the Magnificent needed a naval guy, he called Dragut. Uh, but like also so when pir- that wasn't the time. In his off- pirating in his off time, but like at the call of the government if necessary to do some like yeah. official pirating. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, uh, they invaded the island in 1551 uh, with the support of the Ottoman Navy and army. And their army had around 10,000 uh, people in it. And they decided that Malta itself looked like a real son of a bitch to conquer. So instead, they just kind of spun around and took other night possessions in the area, leaving Malta alone. Now, as if to set the stage as to how war between the knights and the Ottomans would change over time, when the city and the island of Gozo attempted to negotiate terms of surrender, assuming that, you know, we'll give you money, you don't burn all of our shit down, uh, the Ottomans completely rejected it. The city fell and every single person minus one monk was enslaved or murdered. The same thing happened in Tripoli within the same year. Suleiman the Magnificent was very clearly over the knights. What, what happened to that one monk? Uh, I assume he went on to have a successful recording career. I don't, I'm not successful really sure. Successful monkery? Yeah, uh, he, he's one of those chanting monks that you can buy CDs from on TV. <laughs> he, he makes overpriced Bavarian beer. I have no idea. Um, now, the Knights knew it was only a matter of time before Suleiman tried to come to Malta to finish the job. He probably should have finished back in Rhodes. And they assumed it would happen within the next year, which that didn't actually end up being the case. However, the fear of an impending invasion led to the Grand Master of the Order, a guy named Juan de Ometis, to order all fortifications within the island to be reinforced, as well as the construction of several new forts. Um, now, this is probably where it would have ended, but then the Christians attempted a massively failed uh, uh, re- uh, retaking operation of Tripoli, which just hemorrhaged thousands of people. Now, this cemented Ottoman power in the region by 1560 and left Malta effectively all alone. Uh, but Malta was really important. It was a stepping stone to stop an Ottoman invasion of Sicily and then mainland Italy and then the fucking uh, Holy See. Like, it would not have been hard to conduct from there. And it wasn't out of anybody's mind. Like, this is a real possibility. Now, not to mention, after the failure that was the attempt on Tripoli, an Ottoman invasion of uh, Papal aligned Europe, even if they didn't invade Italy, if they took Malta and had this straight wide open, like, that's going to happen. It's not, a ma- it's not a matter of if, it's going to happen. Right. They're coming for you. Yeah. The knights in August of 1560 ordered all of their knights uh, in Europe because they had different outposts um, uh, all over the place, mostly in land that they owned. Like they just had uh, vast amounts of estates. Uh, They were very, very rich. But they ordered all these guys like, get your ass to Malta. Uh, And then, of course, kept preying on Ottoman shipping with one of their uh, Christ pirates by the name of Romigas finally pissed off the Ottoman government just a little bit by capturing the merchant ship owned personally by the chief eunuch of the Ottoman court, uh, which <laughs> it's a very funny name, uh, but it's a super important person within the Ottoman court. Uh, like the, this is know, our most important person with no balls. It's not yeah. even a woman. We had to cut the balls off of a man. That's how misogynist we are right here, right now. Gotta love the the chief eunuchry. Is that? Is, do you think that's something that like? people strive for it's like one day i'm going to be the the chief ball chopped off guy like oh yeah the amount of political power that the chief munich had uh, the chief <laughs> chief munich the, the amount of political power that the chief eunuch had was like fantastically large so he was like one of the richest people in the court because he was so influential he was one of the uh, most important mentors to uh, whoever was uh, on the throne at the time uh, it was a pretty. It was a very important job, which is why, as soon as his ship got taken, this was enough for Suleiman the Magnificent to launch his fleet towards Malta. Like that was his reason for war. I mean, that and like that war was always going to happen. But like that was like, you know what? Fuck it, we're doing it. Like we're doing it now. 
You, fu- you fuck with my eunuch, you fuck with me, buddy. Yeah. Just because he is smooth like a Ken doll does not mean that he does not <laughs> That's feel That's why I pain. like him. That's why he's my friend, because he's smooth. <laughs> if I get really depressed, I could skip him across the lake. <laughs> I need a man with no body hair, and that's the person I'm putting in charge of things because it's the 1600s, and that's how we deuced it. Uh, now, like the, the Suleiman the Magnificent stated from the very beginning that like there would be absolutely no quarter given, and despite the obvious territorial gains and how cool that would be, uh, now one of the main goals of the invasion was to finally destroy the Knights Hospitaller. Like Malta was, was Plan B, Plan A was kill all the fucking knights. Uh, and to do that, he assembled one of the largest fleets the world had seen up until that point, uh, at least in the region, consisting of hundreds and hundreds of ships. So I've seen the number go from 250 to 400. And on board were 40,000 soldiers from the elite Janissaries to Arcubusers. You can say it. It's fine. Yeah, the Arcubusers. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, we're, we do. You are talking about like a lot of building fortifications and everything. I have to imagine like that there is some kind of cannon system, like rudimentary, like because you know we, we're talking about knights. Yeah, cannons also, are cannons are very, 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 very real at the point. Like, argue, right, like but we're the, still talking about fl- knights. So it's it's like yeah. that that smash up of time between like medieval and we've got our horses and our lances, and then like a chunk of lead just gets just canoes your skull from <laughs> yeah. hundred meters. Yeah, uh, it's a very weird time where you can see a guy in full plate mail sword fighting a guy, then some gets shot in the fucking neck by a musket. <laughs> like it's a fucking Star Trek transporter episode or some shit. Like just all of the all we're just gonna get now. A space alien's gonna come down. It's a Harriet. It's a it's a turtle dove novel. That's what that's that's the reference I needed. Like the, you, there's thousands of cavalry all the way down to tens of thousands of what were called quote uh, volunteers uh, from around the <laughs> Ottoman Empire. These were just dudes with pointy sticks mostly. Um, now the quality training and equipment of these men uh, generally degraded from where I started of the elite Janissaries all the way down. Meaning, you know, when you get down to the volunteer, it just means like Frank, the guy from the local shop who is now armed with an axe or something. Um, there's also tons of artillery, tens of thousands of rounds of ammo, and thousands of pounds of gunpowder. Uh, so it's uh, you know, Malt is in for a bad time. Though my favorite people have to be what they're called the the uh, the lay Leilars. Lay- 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 I don't know. I don't speak fucking Turkish, nor will I ever. Despite how many times they've tried. <laughs> now this is the 1500s equivalent of like an Ingemasi attacker or like a suicide attacker. They get ripped to the gills on drugs be virtually naked, wear almost no clothing, and charge directly into enemy fortifications on a suicide run in the hopes of smashing through or creating a hole in the enemy defenses to open up for the people coming in behind them who were not off their minds and drugs. Now, this normally failed, but the important part is they tried. Wait a minute. Is this is this person exploding too, or is it just one guy who runs in on berserker mode? and It's just pretty much a berserker. It's like a, it's a whole group of berserkers, effectively. Like... They get ripped to their gut. Like I've seen people say that it was a hallucinogen that they took. I've heard also people say it was alcohol. I don't know how much alcohol you have to drink to make you want to self- make you want to go fucking do that. Uh, maybe they're just doing a bunch of crocodile and then charging in enemy lines. But uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know what drug you'd have to get me on to just be like, just go fucking buck wild up there with a sword, bro. Just uh, see how it goes. Like at least, like, at least put some some like gunpowder on the dude's back like blow a hole in something literally don't just be like hey why don't we just send this one guy all fucked up on acid in to uh to see how he does that just and look i i know that that hindsight is 2020 you know i understand that we look upon we stand on the shoulders of giants uh to and it with the knowledge of tactics that we have uh it just seems looking back in time at this just be like just send some dudes all fucked up in to see how they do like, why wouldn't you just do that with all your people? Just everybody, let's all do drugs and go crazy. Like, why just do two or three people? Who fucking knows, man? Everybody probably has lead poisoning at this point, too. So, <laughs> Lead poisoning and their blood their blood is just, like, mostly thick and black for some reason. Yeah, uh, this is the time. This is the height of ghosts in the blood. So, who knows what's going on? I mean, there's also, like, the possibility you give them the wrong kind of drugs. Like, you accidentally, like, give them PCP and send them. They just immediately spin around and tear your face off. Like <laughs> we accidentally gave him the the gas station spice, and hopefully they'll they'll eat some Ottoman faces. 
It's like uh, all the stories of uh, when Hannibal was invading Rome and the elephants turn around and stampede through his own men. But it's just a oh, fucking yeah. s- a naked psycho who is chewing on your soldiers. But now, uh, how by the time that the Ottoman invasion force is being assembled in 1565, the vast Hospitaller spy network through their empire and others kind of alerted that the Knights Grand Master that uh, it's finally going to happen. Like shit's about to hit the fan. So in preparation, the Knights and their slaves and the civilians that were there uh, who were all on Malta went into overdrive. They harvested every crop on the island, even the ones that weren't ripe. Anything that they couldn't bring into the fortifications was immediately burned or otherwise destroyed. And uh, like his, uh, during the Battle of Rhodes, despite the fact that the knights were fighting quite hard and holding the walls, they figured out that the Ottomans were just resupplying off the land around them. Uh, so it made it so they could just camp outside for a really long time. And they wanted to make sure that could not happen again. Malta was a barren wasteland and there was barely any fresh water at all. There's only one source and it was at Marsa, which is under night control. So when he heard of the invasion, that he heard the invasion was coming, the Grand Master ordered water from that source to be stored in thousands and thousands of clay pots um, and then stored within the secure walls of their fortifications and then dumped tons of dead animals into the source, poisoning it. So it couldn't be used by anyone other than the, the, the people that had taken water from it before they did that. Well, even they're, they're not going to be able to use it. It's like, we've already taken water out of it and now we've just fucked our own water source. So have fun with that too. Yeah, I mean... Fuck it. At this point, they probably assume they're going to lose. They just don't want to like, well, if we can't live on this island, nobody else can either. Yeah, just, you know, middle fingers the entire time. Fuck y'all. Fuck us. Fuck you. Now, uh, despite this, the Grand Master knew that the Knights probably were not going to win the battle by force of arms. He knew they were standing on a barren rock in the middle of the ocean. So his plan was to simply wait and hold out as long as they could and wait for winter to set in. Provisioning an army in Malta at all at a good point of the year was really hard to do and a one that a one as large as the one that the Ottomans were sending it was impossible the Ottomans would have bring literally everything they would need during the era where that just was not done people forged uh, that's how they had armies in the field they forged for food they forged for water on top of looting which you know a lot of forging is just looting with a, a fancy new name mm-hmm. but doing this over the winter there would have been suicide. So they figured we hold until winter, they have to leave. Like there's no way they can stay. But even with this, the Ottomans were very confident that it would not take that long to win. And this is from the, ar- from the article, No Mercy at Malta by Justin Lyons. Quote, Malta, 17 miles long by nine miles wide, was weakly garrisoned and had been hastily fortified. At the outset of the siege, the Order Grand Master had 600 knights and servants at arms around 1,000 Spanish foot soldiers, harcubusers, and a few thousand Maltese militias and irregulars under his command. These were distributed in three forts, St. Michel at the, the peninsula of Sanglia, uh, and St. Elmo on the peninsula of Scabaris, and St. Angelo on the peninsula of Birgu. Like, uh, that's their only fortifications, really. They had no means to reinforce themselves. Everything they had on the island was all they had. They had no reserves to speak of, and soon tens of thousands of Ottoman soldiers would be landing on their beaches. This could have been pretty easily taken care of until the Ottoman military got really Ottoman, and by this, I mean fell apart over petty beefs. <laughs> um, it's, not, it's not an army until you have infighting, man. Especially, um, I mean, the way it was built was based on tradition. Suleiman had split the Ottoman command in three ways, with nobody having overall command of the operation and all of them having to independently answer to him simultaneously. So at first, it was actually split two ways. It was the commander of the army, Mustafa Pasha, and the commander of the navy, Piali Pasha. Then Dragut showed up, who is a different naval commander, who was also given an, an equal say in the matter. And the, the two were supposed to defer to him when they didn't agree on something. However, he also could disagree with them. And then they would also have to go through Suleiman. So you can see how this does not work. I mean, look, there's, there, there, there's times when you know, power sharing is really important. Um, and, and I'm going to go ahead and say that the siege of a barren rock in the middle of nowhere is not one of those times, it seems. Um, especially, like, what, what is there to disagree on? Just are we all going to camp out here and fuck with these guys or not? Like, if you're the sieging army... You could just fuck off and go get more. Like you have ships, they have a harbor. Fuck off, go get more stuff, bring it back. Like I'm confused as to why this is a problem. 
I mean, I'm not an Ottoman in the in the 1500s either. So, you know. They've had fundamental differences in what they wanted to do. Um, but this is probably why when the Ottomans landed, uh, uncontested, mind you, because the knights were safely in their fortresses, they immediately began to fuck shit up. For starters, they just left the city of Medina untouched. Uh, it was a, by, I use the term city loosely here because um, it's small. Uh, despite the fact it was they left hardly this fortified. Untouched. Yeah, I mean, it was hardly fortified and it was the base of the Knights Cavalry. Um, and it was also their main communication link to Sicily and therefore their only communication link to the outside world. So they left a, a raiding force just chilling in there as well as their communication network open, which I understand that a communication network back then is uh, a guy on a horse or a guy in a rowboat, like taking a letter right. back and forth. But still. <laughs> but you still need that guy and he still yeah, needs a He's horse. very important. Like asking for reinforcements, uh, which is what they did. Me, me and the other Navy guy are not uh, agreeing on something. Get the guy with the horse. We got to figure yeah. this out. Instead, it was argued by the naval commander that they absolutely had to moor their ships at the Grand Harbor due to sea conditions in the south of the island. Now, the Grand Harbor was protected very, very well uh, by Fort St. Elmo. And Fort St. Elmo was then in turn supported by the strong points on Burgu and the Sanglia Peninsula. They could all fire at it. Uh, it was mutually supporting. And if, if, if you can look at a map of the peninsula and like you can see how it makes more sense. Now, all three of these positions could attack the Ottomans while they were assaulting Fort St. Elmo. And they would have no choice but to take Fort St. Elmo before attacking anything else because he wanted to land in the Grand Harbor. In order to do this, the Ottoman force would have to land on Marsa, which is on the other side of the island, march overland, dragging all of their artillery and ammo with them to set up their attack on Fort St. Elmo. So it's very, very stupid. Um, it all sounds the, incredibly I, dumb. Yeah, it was the idea of the naval commander where the army commander Mustafa wanted to land in a different spot, completely ignore Fort St. Elmo, assault Medina, then Fort St. Angelo and Michel overland. So they could ignore the, the hardest fort. Um, this would have made attack any attack on Fort St. Elmo largely pointless, so they could skip it. He apparently changed his mind when the naval commander insisted that Fort St. Elmo would fall in only a couple of days. It does not. I've heard, I've heard that one before. Literally any time someone on this show says, it'll fall in two days or five days, you can bet it's going to be like months. We're, we're just going to roll in. They're going to roll over. It's going to be perfectly fine. We're not going to have any resistance. Uh, and that, but wait, it gets worse. <laughs> Yeah. Now, first, the Ottomans, finally in position on the crest overlooking Fort St. Elmo, had to chisel fighting positions and gun spots out of bare rock while getting shot at. When they finally opened fire, they smartly did they, they did one thing well, and that is they attacked one wall at a time, massing all of their fire until that wall would give way. However, even with that, it took nearly a month of constant bombing for the wall facing them to actually give out. But even that was only the beginning with the entire siege grinding to a stalemate. So much of the fort was on fire at any given point. It actually helped Fort St. Angelo bring fire support onto the attacking Ottomans uh, as otherwise it would have no way to see them because you know it's not like flashlights existed. Like this, the city was on fire so thoroughly they could use it as like a, a torch in the middle of the night to bomb the Ottomans. We don't have spotlights, but what we do have are a bunch of thatched roofs that we can uh, yeah. just light on fire to really light up the night for us. According to Francisco Balbi, who is a uh, Spanish soldier fighting for the knights, quote, the darkness of the night then became bright as day due to the vast quantities of artificial fires. So bright indeed as we could see Fort St. Elmo quite clearly. The gunners at Fort St. Angelo were able to lay on their tra and train their pieces on the advancing Turks who were picked out of the light of the fires. <laughs> Congratulations, you've played yourself. <laughs> now, this is where Dragut showed up and was given equal command. And as soon as he got there, he's looking around at everything and like, what, what are you doing? This is very stupid. <laughs> See, it's a good thing they brought in the, tr the, the third guy because apparently the first two were just not really... Uh, not really a good brain trust, I'm going to say. Now, probably the dumbest part is by attacking one fort at a time, they were being attacked by three forts at a time. And they also left the other forts unblockaded and sieged in any way. That meant the other forts could send men and material to Fort St. Elmo to keep it going, and which is what they were doing. Now, 
During the siege, the naval commander was terrified of going anywhere near Fort St. Elmo's guns, which left the entire open uh, open ocean completely free of any kind of enemy. So the knights at night would the knights would wait for night to fall, and then simply would float up uh, behind Fort St. Elmo in small convoys of boats, completely uncontested, to reinforce and rebuild the fort from that day's bombing. Now, incredible. Incredible move. I'm going to go ahead and say like a siege, but let's not actually siege it. What if we do a siege, but in a peninsula sort of fashion, we leave yeah, one side we, open. I mean, there's four sides, but what if we just do three? That should be fine, right? We don't, yeah, we, don't be need, fine. we have two Navy guys, but we don't need an actual Navy out there, right? No, not at all. Now, uh, so Dragut fixed this by ordering his own patrol boats to go into the harbor at night, as well as to bring more guns to the north and the south of the fort where they could shell it from three sides. Rather than just one, which is what he's been doing. In short, he actually turned into a siege. But even with that, the fort held for weeks longer. Virtually everyone inside was wounded in some way or the other. Two knights were so badly wounded that they couldn't stand. So they ordered themselves to be strapped to chairs and then set in front of doors so they could just swing at people with their swords as people came through. (laughs) You know what? Baller. You know, I I I got a lot of respect for the... um, I can still swing a sword. My arm still works. The, uh, yeah, you know, black knight of Monty Python, uh, and the Holy grail, you know, I've got come back here. I'll fucking bite your ankles off. Got to respect it. <laughs> Philip put me in my stabbing chair. <laughs> the stabbing chair. Bolt me to my stabbing chair. <laughs> I wish to hit now, them with my sword. Scoot me closer. I wish to hit them with my sword. That would totally be me. in like, uh, a current kind of situation is like, Lash me to my rolly, um, my rolling office chair, and just push me towards the front door, and I'll uh, I'll deal with it from there. Strap me to my gamer chair and give me an AR. Wheel me down the <laughs> stairs. You don't have to strap me in, man. I'm already stuck to this gamer chair. Oh God! Now, after 31 days, the fort finally fell. This cost the knights 1,500 men, all of them dying in defense, but costing the Ottomans at least four times as many as their own. Even Dragut, the most powerful naval commander the Empire had known, got clapped by a cannonball. His head was taken clear <laughs> off his fucking shoulders. <laughs> the best part was, it was probably his own cannonball that did it. And you gotta love, you gotta love, like, you know, if you get shot today, uh, you know, in a war, you're being shot with, like, very high-tech rifles that, you know, you can aim precisely if you know what you're doing. Like back then it's just like, I don't know, put put a bunch of explosives behind this like solid chunk of something and just hurl it that direction and maybe we'll kill somebody. Like I imagine this is even before exploding artillery shells. So no, they were getting, just balls like, of steel. Yeah, you're just getting like here's a bunch here's a hundred guys and you're just getting like a cannonball is just careening through it and you're just hoping to either not get hit or get hit to a point where you don't even notice it. It's like your only options. Dragut, the drawn sort of Islam got clapped by like an illiterate farm kid, uh, like packing a whole bunch of powder. He's not entirely sure what it is into a tube that was hammered out by another slightly more literate farm kid and then packing it full of rocks and shit. (laughs) Look, look, I, I think you and I both know that illiterate farm kids can be a motherfucker sometimes. So, yeah, you just give them a tube full of explosives and everything works itself out. Yeah, I paid them off no. of candy, so it worked, it worked <laughs> that way. <laughs> uh, pissed that literally everything that could have gone wrong did, Mustafa ordered the heads of every knight to be cut off, their bodies to be crucified, and then chucked into the harbor where he knew that they would eventually float by the other knight positions for them all to see and be scared of. However... He must have forgot he was dealing with a a literal religious militia because not to be outdone by the scale of brutality, the Knights Grand Master, Jean Valet, ordered every Ottoman they had in captivity, slave or prisoner of war, to be beheaded. Then he had the heads loaded into cannons and fired at the Ottoman army. Okay. Which I think is just going to be mostly pink mist at that point. I I can't imagine that the head held up. I was going to say, like, uh, and maybe, you know, uh, maybe you kind of put like a little plate behind it so that it kind of forces it out. But one Uh, way or another, you're just really getting like misting uh, when you're on the You're just just bathing your gun crews in viscera. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this is why you keep a couple catapults around to to hurl some. When you got to hurl a body, you need some low velocity uh, stuff. So you don't. So you keep the integrity of the meat together. And so it hits somebody. You know, kill kill a motherfucker with a motherfucker is what you're going for here. Um, if if there's one thing we care about on this podcast, it is the integrity of the meat. 
Yeah, you gotta. If you're gonna, if you are gonna hurl a body at somebody, you can't, you you can't obliterate the body. You're gonna lose every, like all the 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 psychological trauma that you're trying to do. You're gonna lose out on all of that. You gotta put the head in a sabo container of some kind that discards after you fired at the oncoming Turks. That's what I'm exactly. working on currently. Now. Because it took so long to capture St. Elmo, it was already at the peak of the summer, which in Malta can easily get above 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Notably a bad time to be standing around doing war stuff outside. Of course, this led to Ottoman troops to drink the poison wells. And, uh, you know, now they weren't, if they weren't dying from flying bits of iron or heat stroke, they're now shitting out their own insides and dropping dead. Dying, Dying via bits of brain from your buddy. Yeah, or like a, a skull shard that survived from the fired head. Exactly. Uh, as the Ottoman army began to get its ass kicked by the sun and with no clean water to speak of, they marched over to start their attack on Birgu and Sanglia strong points, only to discover that the knights had still managed to reinforce and resupply them as well when they were distracted. As the Ottomans got closer, they actually heard church bells and celebrations of the men inside singing like prayers at them. <laughs> Which has to be really disheartening if you're like the attacker when you roll up on some guys who are supposed to be losing and they're just like having a party. You gotta, you gotta uh, respond with a call to prayer at five in the morning. Either seeing that this march sucks or thinking that the positions have been reinforced by way more than just the 600 men that they had been, Mustafa sent a message to Grandmaster Valet, offering him the same terms he had previously gotten on roads, despite the fact that Suleiman had ordered no quarter be given. Mustafa's like, you know what? I'm fucking done here. Let's just see if we can take this island over and give these, make these guys move again. Like, if you pack your shit and leave, we'll be cool, but we're keeping the island. But this time, Grandmaster Valet ordered, uh, told him that the only land that he would give the Ottomans was a ditch to throw their dead into. <laughs> Mind you, again, this guy's like 70 years old. Gotta, gotta love... Like, 70 is old for this this period, so... 70 is... It's a rough fucking 70, man. Like, 70 years, 70 years old in the 1500s, you've been a knight your entire life. Like, that's a rough-looking 70. That's a dude who's, like, looking to die. He needs to die. He's ready for it. And fuck you. Come do it, motherfucker. Yeah. Now, probably really hoping he wouldn't still have to be doing this shit well into July, Mustafa launched a two-prong attack against Sanglia and Burgu where the Ottomans unfortunately learned that the Knights had developed their own version of the fucking Navy SEALs. Um, <laughs> well, they, they rolled up and there was a bunch of really badly written books. <laughs> the Knights militiamen, who are called irregulars sometimes, depending on what you read, uh, but they weren't full Knights. Um, they had built a ton of underwater barriers and chucked them into the sea, which had stopped the Ottoman amphibious attack. It, it, they created like a traffic jam in the water just far enough away from the beach where these guys can land. So when the Ottomans did attempt their seaborne assault against Sanglia, they slammed into those barriers, pinning them in place. Then the irregulars who were waiting on the shore, armed only with small knives, dove into the ocean, climbed into their ships and began stabbing the living shit out of them. Or failing that, hugging them and falling backwards into the water where they drowned them. <laughs> oh, I guess because they're wearing all that armor. Yeah, I mean, and these guys were like specifically very good at swimming. Uh, so, like, you know, most people back then probably couldn't swim. These guys just held you underwater until the fucking bubbles stopped. Now, after these, after the uh, these men were destroyed by I don't know the core of swamp creatures or whatever. Mustafa sent in 800 of his elite Janissary Corps to finish the sea landing. And that is when the Ottomans discovered that the Knights had hidden dozens of cannons at water level under strict order to not fire or reveal themselves till someone floated into point-blank range. When they did, the Janissaries and their 10 ships worth of men were smashed into a fine pace within seconds by canister shot. Hell yeah. It's around here that I realized that the night defense system was a gritty reboot of Home Alone. And it's one that deep down, we all want to see. What if Macaulay Culkin had a cannon? The wet bandits get dragged into the bathtub while Kevin McAllister vents all of his abandonment issues with a knife. Call me Netflix. instead Instead of strapping me to the stabbing chair, strap me to the top of the stairs so that I can drop the paint can on their heads when they come through. Yeah. When another assault failed, Mustafa again pulled his men back and decided to simply shell the fort. By this point, the Bergu and Sanglia had been ringed by uh, about 65 different siege guns, and the result was one if, 
if not the biggest bombardment in the world that had seen up until that point, with some sources claiming that well over 100,000 cannonballs were lobbed at the two positions. The Ottomans were able to breach the first wall, only again to find out that the Knights had planned for it. When the walls were breached, that th- then the Ottoman infantry poured in, and once inside, they found themselves trapped against barriers and hallways the Knights had constructed an elaborate obstacle course for them to try to get through, all while funneling them, funneling them into dead ends where they were subject to constant crossfire and sword attacks from the Knights. It was they, the Lights they- Out skit from Jackass Forever. They did the uh, they did the thing uh, at the entry control point where you have to drive like through barriers to get through. So it makes it forces you to slow down. Just did that, but with like knights. Yeah, and people like slicing down at them and shooting them at point blank range with muskets and crossbows. And if that gotta, wasn't gotta, bad I gotta, enough, I, it, look, I, I know, I know. Like technically, we don't got to hand it, but I got to hand it to the uh, to the Crusader Knights here. They uh, they had somebody who knew what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, I, I, like. <laughs> I'm Johnny Knoxville, and this is the Knights Hospitaller as he turns the lights off. Uh, like That's the first thing that came to my mind was that skit from Jackass Forever where they turn the lights off and then funnel them into the room with like pans hanging from the ceiling and mouse traps and shit. Like They just did yeah. that. Yeah, it's instead of drinking horse cum, you're drinking out of the like poison water well. I'm Johnny Knoxville, and this is water well. It's just like... I mean, the horse cum's sterile. It's fine. It. There's probably water in there. You'll be all right. Yeah. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, the Knight Cavalry from Medina, which still had not been taken care of, appeared and raided the Ottoman supply camp, including the field hospital where they slaughtered everyone they could get their hands on, which is a little ironic when you consider that they were the Knight's Hospitaller. Um, then 11 days... not their hospitals. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 11 days later, the Ottomans snuck up and detonated a mine against the fort's walls, blowing it to shit and pouring infantry into the breach. Now, the, by this point, the knights were so shorthanded that anybody who could grab a weapon ran out to defend the hole that had been blown in by, I assume, an orc from the second Lord of the Rings film. One of these defenders included 71-year-old Grandmaster of the Knights, Valet. Uh, and like we said, this isn't 71 years old in 2022 years. This is the 1500s. That is a hard 71 years to live. But he grabbed a pike and began stabbing people in the face, somehow not reducing his bones to a fine powder while doing so. And he also apparently had no idea that when the Grand Master's around, the rest of the knights fight harder. So after he plugged one breach by stabbing it, he would run around rallying knights um, and like getting them to fight harder and hold- harder, all while probably also fighting off a heart attack. I was going to say, God bless him, man. If ever I had a general that would uh, run out there in front of the battle with us. Um, uh, never 71 really years old. 71 years old, just with his body riddled with so many fucking parasites nobody can count. You know, uh, probably he's he's been stabbed or shot a couple of times in those years. Still going at that it. Man is, that man is gnarled. Yeah, he he looks like an old tree. Probably. <laughs> this is the beginning of the ends right here. Like <laughs> you become you become old enough that you just turn into a slow moving tree. Yeah. Now the town elders of the area wanted the knights to abandon the area and said pool their forces in the Fort St. Angelo. But Valet was starting to think that the Ottomans were getting desperate and losing the will to fight as things got worse. And he was proven correct when they began to roll up some old-timey siege engines like rams and towers that had seriously fallen out of favor since the expansion of gunpowder and cans within the military. But that told him that he had burnt through all of his ammo, uh, like Mustafa had, or the cavalry raid had destroyed much of it. These siege engines were countered immediately by night sappers who would tunnel under their own walls, set mines, and then blow them up under the Ottoman army as they got closer. I don't even know how Mustafa felt at this point, but after suffering another loss to a half-dead old man with a pointy stick, he turned his army around and planned an assault on Medina where he could take out the cavalry, which but by now, it was the end of August, and his real goal was to make Medina his winter quarters. He was actually going to try to stay there over winter, and this almost certainly would have been successful as Medina had been largely uh, unsupplied. Uh, and hardly defended outside of a few cavalry. So an attack on it would have fallen quite quickly, though Mustafa's clearly not so good at his job, so maybe not. But then the defenders again hit them with another trick. The cavalry inside the fort knew, if we do this, if we if we let these guys stroll up on us, we're going to lose. We need to make them think that uh, like, there's more of us in here, and we have all of the supplies that we could possibly need for another siege. So. 
as the Ottomans stake their camp down on the far side of the artillery fire, like uh, way outside the, the range of, of night artillery, in preparation for the coming siege, the defenders loaded their cannons and let them rip anyway. Uh, obviously, these landed nowhere near the Ottoman army. They, had, they also had virtually no ammo, only like five shots per cannon. But their goal was to trick the Ottomans into thinking like, wow, look at these guys firing pointlessly into the air with no chance of hitting us. They must have a lot of fucking ammo in there. Otherwise, why would they be wasting it? So these guys have, they have sappers, they have special ops, and now they have psyops too. This is, yeah. uh, an, this is an impressive kind of uh, uh, situation that the Knights Templar got going on. Sorry, the Knights Hoplite. Hospital. Hospitalers. Hospitalers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it kind of tells me that at this point, Mustafa was done. Like, uh, they literally fired like two or three um, rounds of ammo wildly into the air uh, as like, you know, uh, a trick. And some, he, yeah, he took it as like a, a big middle finger, like being fired out of a cannon at him. And this gave him pause. As the, as the Ottoman commanders continued to bitch and complain with one another, though Dragut was dead by now, um, about what to do about this apparently well-supplied and dug-in garrison, that's when something really changed. As an 8,000-man relief force under Spanish command finally showed up to the island to reinforce it. Now, Mustafa, looking around and seeing that, well, three-quarters of my army is dead, wounded, or currently shitting out their own blood, I should probably go home. <laughs> At least he found, you know, I'm glad it took a while, but I'm glad that he saw that like, hey, maybe, maybe I should stop feeding people into a meat grinder now. Well, it's because he saw that he was going to lose. It wasn't that the meat grinder was no longer uh, what he wanted or what he was prepared to do, but, you know, a meat grinder that he would win. Um, and now with the Spanish showing up, he, he would have lost because, you know, he showed up with 40,000 or so men, but a quarter of them were, or three quarters of them were dead or not able to fight at this point from, you know, catching a, a, a cannon-powered tooth to the skull from a fired severed head, <laughs> or you know, they dr they drank the the <laughs> the fucking the the water that had dead animal ice cubes in it, and they're like insides are tearing themselves apart. But he's like, I I gotta go home. This is, we're done here. Yeah. But it wouldn't be that easy uh, because as Mustafa got aboard a boat, he left his men behind to like pack everything up. He's like, yeah, you break down the camp. We're getting out of here. So Mustafa s safely sails away. However, the, the Spanish crusaders who just showed up like, well, we're not going to let them do that and charged <laughs> into the Ottoman army who was just trying to pack their bags while they were trying to retreat and killed almost anyone who wasn't good, like fast enough to get the fuck out of there. Now, <sighs> can't can't really can't really blame them. No, you, you don't get to leave just because you're packing your bags like you've been here for three months. Uh, right. This th isn't we're not friends. Yeah, this isn't like, oh, we we set up a commune and it's not working. So we're all just going to go back to our normal lives. <laughs> the Ottomans have been rejected from people. the polycule. Yeah, you're, you're not being injected from the polycule. You fucking murdered a bunch of people. So, fuck yeah. You. Now, the siege was obviously bad for the Ottomans, but it was virtually apocalyptic for the island of Malta. A full one quarter of the civilians on the island were dead. Virtually everything was reduced to corpses and rubble. And the knights lost a third of their men as well. Now, Malta stayed under knight control. If you want, can you guess when? Like, without looking it up, it, how long this occurred is going to be how long, wild. How long did these, did, did this knight, did these knights run things? I'm going to say 1872. Uh, well, they surrendered to Napoleon. <laughs> they surrendered the island without a fight uh, to Napoleon during the, like, as after, I believe he was consul at the time. He wasn't, I don't think he was the emperor yet. But yeah. Now, didn't, argue, he get, didn't he get uh, exiled to Malta? Isn't that one of his? No, exiles he was Saint Helena, and oh. uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was exiled to two different islands, uh, but Saint Helena is arguably the more famous one. I'd, I'd say. Um, now, arguably, the hero of the battle is Grandmaster Valet, who I'm sure most people probably assume that he went on to you know, seize an incredible amount of political power because he just you know saved quote unquote saved the Christian world. Maybe you know get the knights in as uh, kings or something. But nope. Three years after the battle, he died after being sh accidentally shot by a friend while they're out hunting. I cannot confirm or deny whether Dick Cheney was the Grandmaster's friend or not. Uh, but yeah, that's how, that's how he dies. 
Not that that's important. Well, uh, I just thought it was weird. Like he, he survived all of that, got shot accidentally in the back by a friend while hunting. Is this the 70-year-old guy? Yeah, he'd be like 74 at this point. Hey, you know, um, I still managed to die of violence. Just stupid, stupider violence. Accidental surprise violence. Now, that is the great siege of Malta. Francis, we do a thing on the show called Questions from the Legion. Um, if you'd like to ask us a question from the Legion, donate to the show. Uh, ask us uh, via message or a ping on Patreon or the Discord. We occasionally ask them as well. Today's question from the Legion is, as podcasters, I assume you listen to a lot of podcasts. What are some things, um, <laughs> what are some things you occasionally hear while listening to podcasts that pisses you off? Um, I actually have a really good one for this because I just experienced it like today. Um, I was listening to a show. I'm not going to say which one it was. Um, normally, I listen to shows kind of like ours. Like we don't have, we don't work for Spotify or a network of some kind. We don't run ads. Uh, 99% of the show that shows I listen to, like obviously your show, Trash Future, uh, Bunta Vista, um, Knowledge Fight, shows like that, I really, really enjoy. None of them have ads. And if they do have ads, it's like our ad at the beginning of the show where it's like, maybe donate to the show, right? But someone recommended this. Um, I'll say it was a history podcast to me, uh, but it was one of the big network ones. And every episode's like 45 minutes long. But 20 minutes of that is fucking commercials. And it's unlistenable. It's the first time I've tried to listen to a show like that in four hours. Probably like when I watched or when I listened to fucking Serial back when podcasting was kind of new. Um, but like, I have never heard so many ads on a show. It's 50% ads. Like, it, it, it's, it's a complete unlistenable mess. Um, and they're all over the place. Like, they'll have an ad at the top of the show, go into the show's intro ad come back from the ad you know it's it's horrible i could not listen to it i think i had um back when i did commute and i listened to a lot more podcasts i listened to um star talk with uh neil degrasse tyson uh and you know he wasn't he was he wasn't as annoying and pedantic as he is on twitter which we all hate but uh it was the same thing it was ads all the time um the thing that the thing that i dislike and i was I briefly listened to uh, some of one of those murder, you know, one of the murder podcasts, right? Uh, where it's like two women talk about, you know, breathlessly talking about, you know, a serial killer or whatever. And the thing that pissed me off about that, and I know my show has like, we have like 10 minutes of dad chat in the beginning. That is to be expected at this point. Um, people like the dad chat. It's just me and Naple shooting before we get to whatever we're talking about. But this one, it was like, a podcast that was like an hour and a half long, which already I, I want to check out of that. I don't like any podcast more than, you know, beyond like an hour ish. Uh, and then also it was they would just bullshit for like 45 minutes. And it's like, I don't you are a podcast. This is about something specific. I need you to talk about that something specific or at least as Nate does say, hey, if you want to skip our dad chat, go to this time. Yeah, I I try to stay on topic most of the time, but you know, every once in a while we go in like wild tangents. Um, but also like no, not for forty five minutes. That's ridiculous. No, that's not a tangent. That's a whole podcast episode. Exactly. So that's that, that's that's the thing that that always irritate irritates me is one, like you said, the ads. Um, I hate I hate ads. And there, there's no there's no good way to do an ad. There's it's just always jarring and takes you out of whatever you're doing um i i'm glad we've never done ads i toyed with the idea for at one point and it always sounded like it was going to turn into exactly what what you're saying and like you know just like you could make like way more money it's like but i'll have a bad i'll have a bad product and unfortunately well, that was like I don't when have we, we were both emailed by like people that work for spotify and i remember that like like oh yeah you could uh put six to eight ads in your show is what we recommend. Like six to eight ads in an hour of podcast. That's fucking insane. Yeah, that's too much. That's too much. Too much talking has to uh, has to go on there. And that and and again, it just it really takes the flow away from the conversation. And I don't I don't have the grifter gene inside of my head. I can't you know throw away something that I've worked on and that I like and that other people like just to make more money. Um, you know that that being said if somebody wants to buy my podcast for 10 million dollars it is for sale for that that price i feel like i would sell it for 10 million dollars i feel like that's yeah. fine speaking of stop. that plug your show yeah uh so um 
notably not making $10 million yet for me. Uh, we have What a Hell of a Way to Die. It's a podcast about uh, tangentially about military stuff at this point. Nate and I are just old dudes now, and we just uh, kind of talk about that, but we also talk military stuff. Uh, I get military writers. I get people on. We talk about army shit, but from like not a weird right-wing chud kind of mentality. We don't like the army, and we talk about how much we don't like the army a lot. So if you're into that, what a hell of a way to die. Give money to the Patreon. Buy stuff from the store. It's all there. Yeah. Um, and while you're doing that, check out my books. Uh, I have a new one out called The Frontier Corps. Uh, you, if you have uh, Kindle Unlimited, you can get it for free. Um, and I've heard it called a book. Uh, but yeah, seriously, if you if you like military uh, or military sci-fi, um, check it out. Uh, like I said, it could be literally free. Um, but Francis, as always, it's always a joy to have you on the Donk Cast. Um, and until next time, don't siege Malta. Uh, dump corpses in your local water supply to keep away the Turks. <laughs>